Welcome to the VO2 Lounge, the podcast dedicated to making you a faster, stronger and healthier athlete by using available online scientific literature. In this episode, we'll be discussing whether or not technique matters when it comes to building muscle. Well, of course it matters, but how much does it matter is the real question. We'll discuss rep tempo, range of motion considerations and exercise specific kinematics. Now, as a quick note, for those who don't already know, muscle hypertrophy is an increase in muscle mass. It usually manifests as an increase in muscle size and strength. Muscle hypertrophy occurs as a result of strength training, which is why it is normally associated with weightlifting. There are two types of muscle hypertrophy, myofibrillar and sarcoplasmic. Sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is an increase in fluids and energy substances surrounding um, the myofibrils contained in muscle fibers. You could almost think of this in a way of the uh, effects you have from taking creatine. That, to some extent, is sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. While uh, myofibrillar hypertrophy occurs from myofibrils splitting off and forming more contractile proteins within a muscle fiber. So actual more contractile elements within the same muscle. Now, on to the actual episode. So why this study and topic? Well, a couple of weeks, maybe even months ago, uh, a YouTube short by Jeff Nippard caught my eye where he mentioned that his first paper that he has been named on as a contributor was released. So why not take a look? The narrative review outlines the significance of proper resistance training technique in maximizing muscle hypertrophy. Hence why I mentioned what hypertrophy is. That way we can just use it going forward. They consolidate existing evidence concerning various factors like exercise specific kinematics, contraction type, repetition tempo and range of motion to reveal the optimal approach for hypertrophy or at least what is deemed the optimal approach in the current state of literature. Key findings suggest that employing a range of motion that accentuates training extended muscle lengths coupled with a repetition tempo falling within the range of 2 to 8 seconds is conducive of to maximizing hypertrophy. However, further research is warranted to um, ascertain whether manipulating the duration of either the eccentric or concentric phase could yield additional benefits. Something that you will have heard many people saying before that prioritize one of these. Um, for example, the eccentric part of the movement to increase hypertrophy. But it looks like that more research is needed. Um, while guidelines for body positioning and movement patterns are typically informed by applied anatomy and biomechanics, uh, empirical evidence on their impact on hypertrophy remains somewhat unavailable. Slash a bit scarce, slash not like uh, conclusive. Now, consequently, it's advisable to adhere to universal exercise-specific kinematic guidelines while integrating the aforementioned recommendations. They review advocate. Um, sorry, the review advocates for future research to explore the effects of varying degrees of strictness in exercise technique on hypertrophy outcomes. This would provide valuable insights into the potential benefits of stricter versus more uh, lenient technique variations. Um, but in summary, emphasizing appropriate exercise technique, particularly with regard to uh, 
Range of motion and repetition tempo is crucial for optimizing muscle hypertrophy during resistance training. Now, further investigation into these aspects, along with our exploration of stricter versus more lenient technique variations, holds promise for advancing the understanding of hypertrophy promoting strategies when it comes to resistance training. Now, that is the high level review of, uh, of the paper. Now, if you're wondering, what the paper actually is, is titled Optimizing Resistance Training Techniques to Maximize Muscle Hypertrophy, a narrative review. And that is what it is. It is a narrative review. This is not a uh, trial of any description. It is a narrative review that Jeff Nivan, for example, is a part of this review process. Um, it, is, it was officially released early 2024. Looks like it was going through the kind of review process. Uh, late December, fun enough, accepted 25th of December 2023, published 29th of December 2023. But for all intents and purposes, we're going to go over a review of what this paper found. The, his YouTube content is incredibly valuable, I would say, and so why not have a review of what a paper he is partaking in has to say, really? So let's start with repetition tempo. So how fast you're doing the reps. Now, repetition tempo plays a crucial role in in the discussion surrounding exercise technique uh, aimed at maximizing muscle hypertrophy during resistance training. Typically, conventional resist resistance training involves integrating both eccentric, so the lengthening of the muscle, and the concentric, which is the shortening of the muscle, uh, actions with each repetition as it suggested that employing both types of actions optimizes muscle hypertrophy so for example rather than a deadlift where you would simply do the uh, pull effectively and then drop during the uh, lowering of the weight that wouldn't be necessarily typically viewed as an optimal technique for building muscle because you're only doing half of the muscle movement effectively. Unlike a bench press where you can do the eccentric and the concentric, you're not exactly going to drop the bar unless maybe you've got some uh, safety uh, pins, for example. But anyway, exercise professionals often stress the importance of specific durations for either the concentric or eccentric phase, with some even advocating for a super slow tempo Although evidence supporting this benefit remains uh, inconclusive and there are indications of potential drawbacks. Almost everyone has heard someone say go slow on the way down and explode on the way up. But from their review, it's going to suggest that there are some potential drawbacks to a incredibly slow version of this movement. So a systematic review and a meta-analysis conducted by uh, Schofield et al., found that a broad range of repetition durations anywhere between half a second to eight seconds resulted in a similar uh, hypertrophy outcomes, so similar muscle building effects. However, the analysis did not specifically explore whether different combinations of eccentric and concentric tempo durations could lead to varying hypertrophic outcomes. Despite this, their findings um, underline the fact that Repetition tempo might not be as critical for hypertrophy adaptions as previously thought. So just 
do what feels good, I suppose, from this. I mean, 0.5 of a second is an incredibly short repetition, or at least a considerably short half of a repetition. And then 8 seconds, I'd challenge anyone to go out and do uh, a an 8 second eccentric on the bench. Like, I'd be very impressed. Um, and more recently... Wilk et al. conducted a review on the influence of tempo on hypertrophy and strength adaption, suggesting that the combination of slower eccentric and faster concentric repetitions may be optimal for maximizing muscular uh, development. However, due to the limited li- uh, literature available on the topic and their heterogeneity among study protocols, specific tempo recommendations were not provided with only a broad suggestion of durations ranging from approximately 3 to 8 seconds per repetition. So in line with what I mentioned uh, earlier, essentially, that um, the the range is so large. I think 0.5 was pretty ambitious, but 3 seconds to 8 seconds, most people are going to fall somewhere within this, probably closer to really the 3 seconds. So, so far it looks like you don't really have to worry. You just, you know do your repetitions. Now, the recommendation by Will Catal for using a slower eccentric and faster concentric tempo to maximize hypertrophy draws primarily from studies by Keeler et al. and um, uh, Nogura et al. Now, Keeler et al. found no significant differences in lean body mass changes between slower and faster concentric phases. However, it's important to note that Keeler et al. did not directly measure hypertrophy changes, but rather assessed body composition changes through air displacement. I'm going to get this word wrong, but plethysmography, plethysmography, bod pod essentially, which warranting cautions interpretations of their findings. Now, Bod pod is an egg-shaped chamber, effectively, that measures body volume and then body composition. There's actually one at Coventry University Hospital. If you are from the UK, you can look it up. And But, I mean, you can type in bod pod or you can type in, um, yeah, to see what these things look like. But, essentially, a way of measuring body composition. Now, various studies have explored the impact of extending the centric phase on resistance uh training induced hypertrophy um well sorry the hypertrophic response based on duration of the eccentric piro et al found that a longer eccentric phase in uh, elicited greater absolute bicep brachii hypertrophy similar pearson et al observed marginally greater quadricep muscle thickness increase with a shorter eccentric duration However, conflicting results exist, such as uh, Shibata et al. finding no differences in thigh cross-sectional area changes between different eccentric durations. Uh, Essentially, this is a great moment to mention the fact of one of the primary things to do with interpreting both studies and podcasts or articles or anything talking about these subjects. And essentially, the thing they do the best is not tell you what to do. Go, going to a study to try to figure out how you're going to lay out the exact endurance training program, strength training program, any of these kind of things, how you do your periodization to a T, basically taking, say, 
the intervals they did or the durations of resistance training they did is not the best way to go about it. Because remember, they are confined within the constraints of their study. For example, a good one to look at is intermittent fasting, 16-8. Doesn't that eight-hour window sound incredibly familiar to the hours people normally work? And reportedly, the reason the 16-8 came about was because the individual was confined to an eight-hour working day, so fed the rats eight hours of the day, 16 hours he wasn't at work, so he didn't feed them. The same thing goes for studies like this, time frame, so on and so forth, ease of repetition. Now, what they do tell you is what not to do. And essentially, in this paper, it is saying that as long as you, uh, all of these are kind of in line with saying there may be some improved um, gains to come from shorter uh, slower eccentrics there that you know three to eight seconds is that window but that's the key bit really is the fact that if you as long as you're in this kind of three to eight second window you may be leaving some gains on the table but probably just overall volume is going to have a bigger impact so focus on that but that that's what we can glean from this review when it comes to uh duration at least now for a range of motion which arguably to be fair we have done this kind of in the bro science order of rep duration being probably the first thing if someone were to tap your shoulder while you're in the gym and say something to you it'd be like oh yeah bro you're doing that too fast you know you're not doing a slow enough eccentric or the slow enough way down um so range of motion is probably the next one. Although I think if you go to any gym, based on what's about to come up in this bit of the review, there are a lot of sinners out there doing way too heavier a weight and doing way too small a range of motion. So what does the paper say? Now the discussion on range of motion is optimizing muscle hypertrophy sheds light on recent findings and recommendations in resistance training techniques. Traditionally, a full range of motion has been advocated for maximizing hypertrophy with systematic reviews and meta-analysis supporting its benefits over partial range of motion. However, recent literature suggests that range of motion used and muscle length may influence regional hypertrophy differently, right? Um, now again I'm going to talk about range of motion very quickly in relation to people I see in the gym when you hear this people aren't even most of the time doing full range of motion let alone what's about to come up so just bear this in mind a meta-analysis by Wolf et al and a systematic review by Cassiano et al found that a partial range of motion performed at longer muscle lengths may be superior to full range of motion for hypertrophy. You hear that? So let's take examples of this being leg press. This is when the weight is closest to you. Again, bench press. This is when the weight is closest to you. So that closest bit of the lift. And essentially, that's the best way to do it. When the weight is closest to you, you are likely in uh, the greatest point of stretch from a leg and chest upwards point of view 
And then when you start coming to uh, movements such as pull activities like lat pull downs um, and the cable rows, for example, then it's the other way around. When the weight's further away from you, that is the most compromised bit of the lift. But that's an even better way of looking at it is where are you most compromised? If you think a bench press, imagine trying to hold the weight uh, like 10 centimeter, uh, less than that, 10 mil off your chest, 20 mil off your chest, be bloody hard. Holding it at full extension, pretty easy. Same for a squat, locked out or just a little bit of a dip easier than trying to hold it just a little bit above full range of motion. Now, a um, an unpublished uh, study presented at a conference as a conference abstract also compared full range of motion to longer muscle lengths, uh, partial range of motion, showing superior hypertrophy in the latter group partially in the hip ex, uh, extensors and specific muscles like the glutes and the long head of the biceps. Now these findings suggest that utilizing range of motions that uh, are biased towards longer muscle lengths may be beneficial for maximizing hypertrophy. However, more research is needed to understand the effects of different range of motion configurations comprehensively. Additionally, the current literature is limited to specific muscles, warranting further investigation into whether certain muscles may be more responsive to longer length training than others. But in summary, while a full range of motion traditionally being recommended for hypertrophy, recent, e recent evidence suggests that focusing on longer muscle lengths um, or mu longer muscle length partial range of motion uh, may be more effective. Um, nonetheless, more research is required to elucidate the optimal range of motion configurations for maximizing mu muscle hypertrophy across various muscle groups. Essentially, I think what, one thing it highlights is the fact that, look, if you're lifting a weight, that means you can't stretch the pec, stretch the shoulder, stretch the uh, the quads, for example, then you need to go lighter because you're leaving stuff on the table. And then as for the long range partial effectively, this could be also used as a more advanced lifting technique, like rather than a superset where you drop the weight or should I say a drop set where you drop the weight, go lighter or a superset where you move on to another exercise, you could actually be using these um, long length partials at the end of maybe your final set or the end of your final two sets to add like an additional four uh, contractions in effectively like if you're doing it especially with like dumbbell bench or incline dumbbell bench you get to the bottom you know maybe you can get another 20% of the range of motion out but then you fail as you get out of that hole you could just pump that hole or for example you could um, in a lat pull down where you can no longer pull it to your chest you start doing a half range of motion in the most stretched part of the muscle to effectively gain additional hypertrophy at arguably the same rate as you would have been getting it from full range of motion now there are probably as they suggest other benefits to full range of motion and it's not to say cut that from your training completely and just go long length partials it's just suggesting that these could be equally or more hypertrophic 
than their full range counterparts. So one, if you're not already going to full range of motion, you need to start doing it. And two, if you are using advanced lifting techniques, you've plateaued, maybe this could be a way of getting over and adding more volume into your training. And what about exercise specific kinematics? This is the last bit on this three part piece of the study, I suppose. Now, exercise specific kinematics guidelines are essential for ensuring that proper execution of exercises are met, aiming to maximize effectiveness, uh, minimize injury risk, and optimize muscular adaption. So effectively, it's just the general movement, the overall movement that is being performed by the individual when they do the exercise. Now, these guidelines have evolved over time through a combination of applied anatomy principles and biomechanical understanding rather than direct empirical evidence on hypertrophy optimization. Instructions on body alignment, grip width, foot placement, and bar positioning are designed to target specific muscles effectively and safely. While these guidelines often have a logical basis rooted in biomechanics, their direct impact on hypertrophy and it's not extensively been studied. I, I also would mention the fact that one of the things I like to do with these kind of things is like squat leg width and within reason. Like you're not doing a squat in like the splits basically, but squats are like pull downs, bench, all these other things. Just trying what feels comfortable, but also try maybe what you wouldn't normally do in a grip width or a uh, leg stance or leg positioning and just seeing if you elicit a different kind of pump because if you're getting a pump you know you're doing something right and one it could be like for example the other day for me I was doing lat pull downs had a slightly different grip to normal because I was using a different attachment to normal because the one I normally use wasn't available and I got some crazy pump going on I was like this is now my new favorite attachment I'm going to continue using this for at least the next four or five weeks and so that's kind of feeding into this. But when it comes to kinematics, maybe just trying new things, seeing how they feel can be a way to elicit greater hypertrophy. But on back to these guidelines, although limited, some research has explored the effects of altering exercise specific techniques on hypertrophy. For instance, studies examining foot positioning during a calf training during calf training have shown that different positions can lead to variations in muscle hypertrophy patterns similarly investigations into muscle uh, activation during exercises like leg press lat pull down and bench press offer insights into technique variations but their direct relevance to hypertrophy outcomes remains somewhat uncertain now biomechanical analysis of exercises such as squatting provided particular recommendations for performance and safety but do not specifically address their effect on hypertrophy essentially safety always seems to be and longevity seems to be at the forefront of exercise specific kinematics now additionally technique guidelines aim to injury prevention often based on me mechanistic evidence rather than direct human studies further highlighting the need for empirical research in this area because there could be and to some extent there could be better impact uh, injury prevention but also improved hypertrophy on the table now in terms of repetition technique the distinction between strict and non-strict approaches is commonly emphasized with the former aiming to isolate target muscles more effectively. However, empirical evidence directly comparing the hypertrophic effects of strict versus non-strict techniques is lacking. 
Now, I think there's some movements like rows, um, at least like bent over rows and stuff like that, where sometimes moving just the heavy object is the aim. Where say like a cable, like a sat down cable row, a stricter technique is somewhat necessitating. You are really trying to target and isolate that muscle. And if you start almost you're recruiting other muscle groups. So to some extent, stricter form could relate to or result in improved muscle hypertrophy or at least desired muscle hypertrophy. Um, while some studies indirectly suggest that certain variations in techniques such as moderate external momentum may influence uh, muscular adaptions, their direct impact on hypertrophy is unclear. Adopting existing exercise-specific guidelines for body positioning and movement patterns is advisable as per this study, although further research is needed to determine the optimal balance between strictness and effectiveness for maximizing muscle hypertrophy while ensuring safety. Now, none of us are going to go out and do four weeks or five weeks or six weeks of strict exercise, then week off then six weeks of uh, non-strict exercise and have DEXA scans at the end of both of them and compare them so really I think it again comes down to one don't get injured two shouldn't hurt while you're doing it at least from a uh, almost a skeletal point of view like you know the difference between your knee hurting or your back hurting versus a muscular ache because it's fatigued and you have literally like burnt the muscle out and two and well three or wherever I'm in my list just getting a good pump is usually uh, in idea that you're doing something right or having maybe not full scale doms where it's like you can't get out of bed the next day because especially if you've done a compounding um kind of effective training and you've got more habituated and conditioned it may become less prominent but to me to some extent if I'm really drilling down and progressive overloads happening there should be the next day you should know you've worked the muscle it may not be as obvious as when you first go to the gym after a break or for the first time ever and just doing the bare minimum kills you but there should still be some uh, post effect some evidence that you've done work the previous day so what were their recommendations what are the recommendations what can we learn again summarizing all this at the end of this episode well the synthesis of existing evidence on exercise technique in resistance training uh, programs aimed at maximizing muscle hypertrophy highlights several key recommendations key muscle hypertrophy not strength hypertrophy Firstly, incorporating a range of motion that allows for full muscle stretching is advised. Additionally, employing both eccentric and concentric phases with an overall repetition duration of 2 to 8 seconds is recommended. This recommendation offers flexibility in selecting specific durations for each phase, accommodating variations such as 1 second concentric, 2 seconds eccentric, 4 seconds concentric, 4 seconds eccentric, or a 7 second concentric with a 1 second eccentric tempo. While further research is needed to explore the effects of manipulating body position and movement patterns on hypertrophy, integrating uh, universal exercise-specific kinematic guidelines alongside these recommendations is suggested. So effectively, following good technique whilst still 
falling within these guidelines is advisable. Now, the debate surrounding the strictness of technique, particularly regarding the involvement of uh, unintended muscle groups, remains unresolved. It's uncertain whether a less strict technique allowing for ancillary muscle involvement would yield inferior hypertrophic results compared to stricter repetitions, which is what I mentioned before, possibly doing these less strict repetitions could result in muscles being recruited that aren't intended to be worked and you are no longer isolating the muscle. However, ensuring that the intended muscle group reaches momentary failure during each set is crucial. Something that people don't often do is really get the muscle close to that point of failure. They just sort of go through the, mo the motions. Now, regarding the involvement of ass uh, assisting muscles, primarily at short muscle lengths, the hypertrophic stimulus may be limited as they are unlikely to reach momentary failure. Conversely, if assisting muscles are at longer muscle lengths, they may experience hypertrophic increases. Nevertheless, it is recommended to minimize the involvement of other joints to maintain adherence to the recommended repetition tempo and uh, range of motion. Now, while the current literature provides a solid foundation for exercise technique, Recommendations in resistance training programs uh, targeting muscle hypertrophy. Further research is of course needed as always, as with every study I've ever read or synthesized into an episode. So it, it, there's always more research that should be done. Now adopting these recommendations can help optimize muscle hypertrophy in resistance training programs um, pending additional empirical valuation is how they end this paper. So what is your takeaway from this then? Does it mean you don't need to change anything in your training? Or has it given you insight in parts of your training that could spend more time improving on? I think a lot of people could probably do a improved depth or stretch to their movements. I think that's almost a given. Before I do the outro, I think I've actually got quite a few hypertrophy related episodes um, I've got ones on body recomposition, so losing fat mass, possibly losing weight while also gaining muscle. We've got optimal training programs. We've got now we've got this lifting technique. There are various episodes to explore if you are interested in changing, improving, manipulating your strength training program, whether that's for hypertrophy or for pure strength. So feel free to check out some of my previous episodes on that. For more content like this, explore my previous episodes, as I've just said, and consider following, rating, and sharing the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Share your thoughts or suggest future topics at the vo2lounge at gmail.com or on the vo2lounge Discord server. Links all down below. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, it's goodbye.